If you've invested in your business, chances are you've funded future growth potential through leverage and after filling out loan applications and undergoing credit checks. In the stock market, using debt is often called gearing. The new BetaShares Wealth Builder Funds, ASX ticker symbols G200 and GHHF, offer moderate gearing across Australian and global shares for investors who are comfortable with the higher risks associated with gearing their investments. You can discover how they work by visiting betashares.com.au. Please don't forget that gearing magnifies gains and losses, so read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Welcome to RASC's Australian Business Podcast, a series for entrepreneurs who dare to leave the world in a better place and get paid while we do it. This podcast will make you a better business owner, investor, founder, or entrepreneur. If you want to start a business or already have one, please subscribe to the series or share it with your friends, business partner, or colleagues. And don't forget to consider taking our free business course, which includes heaps of templates for creating business plans, HR documents, employee files, all of my software recommendations, and more. The course is completely free and available via the link in your podcast player. Okay, let's get into the episode. Welcome to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast. When I started RASC, I started with this idea that brand is really important to my business. I knew that if we were going to create financial education, courses, business education, or investment research, really all that goes into a business is basically all of our blood, sweat, and tears. We don't actually create a product. like We don't have a physical thing that you can lift up and take with you. And in the back of my mind, I always had this fear that, man, I should be doing something and investigating about all of these different things like trademarks and copyright and just getting a better understanding of if it's all of my intellectual property going into this business and our team's intellectual property, how do we protect that? Now, you'll know that if you've taken the business course that's available on RASC Education, which is free, by the way, you will know that we give you kind of this whole, I guess, guide on navigating all of these different things. And one of the areas that we talk about is this idea of copyright and trademarks and these types of things. In this episode of the Australian Business Podcast, I'm chatting to Lachlan and Patrick from IP Australia. This is the ipaustralia.gov.au website. The team at IP Australia got in contact with me, fortunately, to talk to me about, hey, how can we try and educate business owners, would-be business owners, startups, founders, and everyone in between on the value and importance of knowing the basics of what is IP and how to protect it. In this podcast, we cover things like circuit layouts, what is copyright, what is a trademark, how are they different? And if you watch the video version, we actually go through IP Australia's new tool, which is TM Checker. It's an opportunity to check if a business is already using the trademark or the slogan or image that you want to use. Now, this is in beta testing at the time of recording, but you can actually go through this process for free, put in the name or whatever you're trying to trademark, and it may check it against all of the other existing trademarks that are already applying within Australia. And from there, you may be able to apply for a trademark. So I've begun this process myself and the team are incredibly approachable. It was actually surprising to me how candid and how, uh, I guess, frank some of the disclosures and some of the kind of assessments can be. Um, The assessors, a person will actually assess a trademark and get back to you um, whether or not you 
can or can't or should or shouldn't maybe uh, do something. Obviously, they can't give advice, but what they can do is they can help you on that journey as well as an attorney or a lawyer. In this podcast, Patrick, Lachlan, and myself talk about these things, and I just want to make a special note um, that in the podcast, we refer to uh, the difference between trademarks and copyrights and all this type of thing, but the copyright uh, comment in particular is a copyright is something that is free and it's automatic. It applies to your original expression of an idea as soon as you document it. So this is automatically applying to your business. So this should be like breathe again moment where you can breathe and you can think, okay, I'm covered by this copyright thing, but there are differences. So in this podcast, we talk about the expression of written ideas as copyright, but it can also include things like art, non-commercial designs, music, literature, or film. You know, for example, the Game of Thrones TV series uh, is like copyright, you know, it's a creative work there. And so I want you to go away from this episode and be in a position that, okay, I know what kind of has to apply to my business, whether I'm making widgets or whether I'm just creating like a, something like ideas or selling my intellectual property. And I really want you to go and explore the IP Australia website just to get an understanding. And I really want you to do this because it is so important. If your business is successful, you need to have at least a basic understanding of how to protect yourself and the different kind of elements that come into protecting yourself, not just in Australia, but globally. This is a big issue for in particular founders who have these startup companies that expand and want to go overseas, for example. Well, what happens then? So it's really important to get expert advice and to seek out the advice of a lawyer. Obviously, what we covered today in this show is just the facts and uh, some of the kind of bird's eye view of how the system works. Uh, And from here, it's up to you to go and explore the resources that I've included, but also get in contact with a lawyer if you are concerned about any of these things. This is a really important episode, guys, so I want to stress how important it is. Even if you only spend, you know, a few minutes on this after the show, after you hear what we have to say, that you go away and you explore the different things. You'll find a link to TM Checker in the show notes as well as a link to the IP Australia website. Um, And if you do have any experiences with this, I'd love to hear from you. Please send me a question or some feedback via the, the Ask a Question link in your podcast player. That's enough rambling from me. Uh, Let's get into the the chat with Lachlan and Patrick from IP Australia. I thought maybe before we get into some of the questions, uh, and we're going to cover a lot of different things like trademarks, copyright, and a few other examples as we go through. Patrick, maybe just to start with you, mate, um, what what does a typical day look like for you and what is it exactly that you do? I work in the trademarks and designs group and I look after a team of trademarks examiners. So a typical day is working with my team, looking at some of the applications that they're getting through, helping out with any of the tricky aspects of those files that they have and helping to provide customers with information about how to best protect their trademarks. Yes, right. I'm sure we'll get to like how that's done and the types of things that you see coming through across your desk. Uh, Lachlan, how about you, mate? I actually work in patents. So uh, I work in the patent examination group as a also a senior patent examiner, much of a similar day to Patrick. I manage a team. I try to do my own work. I get interrupted by questions from the team, so I don't do my own work. <laughs> but you know, I, I help my examiners with various different technical questions, and I'm also involved in a bit of training. Yeah, great. Okay, so we're going to step through each of those two major buckets, which are, I guess, 
you know, trademarks and patents and knowing the difference between those two. Like, maybe we'll start with you. Can you just give us the high level, like the bird's eye view of what it is exactly that IP Australia does? Like everyone knows the ATO, but what is it exactly that IP Australia does? Yeah, of course. Well, like like the ATO, IP Australia is an Australian government agency, but we're responsible for administering intellectual property or IP rights. So think of IP rights as inventions of the mind. So anything that you come up with typically can be governed with some kind of intellectual property right so that you can maintain ownership of that idea. So there are seven types of intellectual property rights that can be applied in the day-to-day life. We've got trademarks, patents, designs, plants, breeders' rights, copyright, and trade secrets. So that's a lot of like different names for you. And I can break them down in like a high-level way. The trademarks are generally related to protection of brands. Uh, patents are related to protection of inventions. Designs are related to protection of how things look. Plant breeders' rights are related to the protection of plant strains. Copyright is related to the protection of like the expression of written idea. And trade secrets are just protection of anything that you don't want the public to know about. There is an example used all the time in the IPA office, which encapsulates all of these seven, and it's a a coffee store. So something that's really dear to my heart as a Melbourneer. A business that sells coffee can use all of these different rights. So the coffee beans can relate to plants breeders' rights, maybe the strain of coffee bean that is grown. The patents can protect the specific coffee machines if they're special coffee machines for that business. The design can protect how the coffee machine looks, or maybe if you're using pods, the pod, the shape of the pod. The trademark protects the brand, like the name of the coffee business. Copyright would protect any literary information related to this business, like if you were writing a website and had just a blurb about what the coffee shop did. Circuit layouts would protect the interior circuits of the coffee machine, and then trade secrets would be any of the confidential information related to the operation of coffee shop. Like maybe there's a specific blend that makes the coffee better than the competitors. At IP Australia, we administer four of the seven rights. We administer trademarks, patents, designs, and plants breeders' rights. Uh, We don't administer the other three. And what I mean by administer, it's imagine that we are the ones who give out like the certificates of approval. So if somebody has an idea they make an application for the relevant right, come to IP Australia, and we have a look at it compared to the relevant legislature and what is required out of these IP rights to actually be okay. And if everything's okay, we go, fantastic, here is your IP right. You've got it, you can protect it. What we don't do though is, I guess, set up these applications, get people from scratch who come to us So we don't do any of the initial phase. We also don't really work on anything after we give you your certificate. We don't help you protect it. We don't give you advice on how to license it or use it. Uh, That is the role of our counterpart. IP attorneys in general would be our counterpart. But we, we generally like to have people chat to attorneys who would advise them on what to do and then also advise them on how to use their intellectual property. Yeah, right. That makes sense. Because I remember 
like coming across this process and it was just before uh, the IPD team reached out to me and I was a little bit confused, but I noticed there'd been a fair bit of headway made on kind of making all this so simple. So Lachlan, you gave us an, pretty much like an awesome overview, the best overview I've heard of the different types of IP and what they do. <laughs> You're like, yeah. But Patrick, maybe we'll throw it to you, mate. And while you do this, for anyone that's watching, I might share my screen and show people something that you guys have been working on recently. But can you explain like, why would any business, like say my business, any business, consider getting a trademark? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the starting point is every business already has a trademark, really. Every business has a name. Every business has a brand that they put out to consumers and it helps consumers differentiate between them and their competitors and know who the products are coming from, who the goods or services are coming from. Uh, Why you get a registered trademark is it gives you a few really powerful ways of protecting that brand that you already have. Having a registered trademark gives you a certificate that shows you own this trademark and it shows that it belongs to you. It also gives you the exclusive right to use it, uh, license it to others to use or sell it within Australia. You get 10 years protection the first time you register. Uh, so you have complete control over it for 10 years. Uh, and it also gives you access to some of the powerful tools in the Trademarks Act around enforcing your trademark and preventing people from infringing it, uh, which you might not otherwise have access to if you don't register your trademark. The great thing and why businesses should really consider getting a registered trademark is it's not necessarily very expensive to do. If you only need a few specific goods and services, it starts at a few hundred dollars, uh, as little as $330 to protect. So at the moment, you're going through our new TM Checker tool, which is an AI-based tool that we're developing at the moment to really help small and medium enterprises learn more about trademarks and helps them through a guided process to check whether their trademark is available and also whether or not it might have some other issues like distinctiveness, for example, uh, which is making sure your trademark is something that's memorable and unique enough and stands out from your competitors and is something that can be registered. So here you've gone through a check, you've looked at Tim Tam, you've found that there are some similar Tim Tam trademarks already registered, as you might expect, and you can click through to see the results there. If you decided for some reason that you were going to chance it and go ahead and apply anyway, uh, you could do so, or you could run another check and see if you can come up with a better, more registrable idea. Well, that makes sense. So you can basically use this tool, this new tool that you guys are rolling out, which is just to get kind of like an automated check. So it's still the responsibility is on the business owner, right? That's right. Uh, so once you've done your automated check, if you do decide to apply, your application will be checked by an examiner before it becomes a registered trademark. So it's good if you have a little bit of a think about the information that we provide you on the website. We've got lots of FAQs there to tell you about these pop-ups that come up. You know, it showed you some similar trademarks. Uh, you can look into a bit more about how similarity is assessed and decide whether or not those trademarks are actually going to be an issue for you. This is really maybe a simple question for you. It's roughly how long, if you are successful in applying for a trademark, how long does it take? Yeah, so if you do apply for your trademark through our TM Checker service, you get a response from an examiner in five business days. Uh, assuming that's all good, you can convert it into what's called a standard trademark application, and then that just goes through our standard registration process. It can get, get accepted pretty quickly, but then it goes into sort of like a pending phase because we have to check for incoming international applications. We have to give uh, respect international filing dates for a certain amount of time. So you can't actually get a trademark registered for about seven and a half months. But in that time, it's already on the register. It's visible to other people. It's already given some degree of protection and priority over anyone who's trying to come in later. So you've already got some degree of certainty that you're going to be able to get your trademark 
there's a chance that it can be opposed. There's a two-month opposition period that happens at the end of the registration process, but it's pretty rare for trademarks to be opposed. Only a small percentage are actually opposed by someone, and that might be because they think it's a little bit too similar to their brand is probably the most common example of why someone might oppose you. You mentioned something there about international trademarks. So is there a difference between the Australian and international? Yeah, and this is really important to keep in mind when you're starting out. Trademarks are protected and all the registered IP rights are protected based on a country-by-country basis. So if you get a registration in Australia, you're only protected for use within Australia. So when you are thinking about your trademark, it's a really good idea to also think about where you might want to expand to. If you're thinking about expanding internationally, have a search of some of those overseas trademark registers and see what they have out there. And also just do some Google searches and see what other brands are maybe operating in that same space because you don't want to pick something and then find out later down the track when you're already building a reputation or an investing and you're ready to go international and then you find out that someone's got exactly the same thing in a different country and it's going to stop you from getting a registration there. Lachlan gave us a great overview of what copyright is, but are you able just to share then the difference between registering a trademark and how any protections or just like what is a copyright and how is it distinct? Yeah, definitely. And this is what people often get confused, the difference between a trademark and a copyright. And there is a small degree of overlap between them. But essentially, a trademark has the purpose of identifying your brand and your goods and services in like a commercial sense. So where do they come from? Who's the provider of them? And distinguishing between different products. A copyright is more about artistic works um, and literary works and protecting the material expression of an idea. So things like books, music, any sort of written form, poetry, even just your website design is protected by copyright. One of the main difference between trademarks and copyright is trademarks, you need to register them. Copyright, you can't register them. It's automatic. You just have protection. If your work is something that's capable of being protected by copyright, it's automatic. Okay. So when I was setting up my business, right, I was introduced to like business names, which was, I, I just thought if I've got an ABN, then I'm, I'm good to go. Um, then there's like, I thought, well, maybe the first thing I should do is check if there's a website available under that name. And then there's like all these other things that are coming, but those are probably the two big ones that I see is like business names and domain names. People think once they've got that, then they're okay. So can you just maybe explain what people should consider in that kind of overall environment when they're setting up? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and it's important to remember that there is a difference between a business name and a trademark. They're not actually the same thing. And a lot of people get really confused by this because, I mean, you're registering your business name with ASIC. That's pretty official, right? But it's not the same as registering a trademark, which actually protects the brand of the what you do. And often your business name might be your trademark, but there are also lots of situations where it won't be a trademark or you might have multiple different trademarks. Like if you have your main brand and then you have some different product lines underneath that. So the reason why you need to think about protecting your trademark as well is because you're having your business name doesn't actually stop anyone from using a similar trademark in the course of trade. So someone out there could start a business, have a different business name to you, but use a very similar trademark to what you're doing. And you may not be able to stop them if you haven't secured the trademark as well. All right. So if you have a unique business name, like in ASIC and you register and you have the URL and everything, someone could maybe still do a trademark over that if you're not aware and... You would want to make so you want to make sure that you've got that as well before you set up and start to get scaling and these types of things. Exactly. The sooner you think about your trademarks, the better because you don't want to invest a whole heap in your brand and your marketing. I mean, it's your identity and your goodwill of your business. It's often resting a lot in your trademark. So making sure you've got that protected is really quite useful. And the sooner you do it, the less likely you are to run into issues down the line. Owen earlier was looking at the TM checker 
to check the trademark for Tim Tam, but the owners of Tim Tam is Arnold's, right? So yeah. it's a different business name to what they're actually, their actual product is. I could come in with Lachlan's Confectionery Company, and if they haven't protected it, I could introduce my own biscuit called Tim Tim's. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Okay, yeah. yeah, okay, I got yeah. yeah. So Lachlan, then you, you mentioned briefly before the idea of a patent, which I think would apply to some of the listeners that are more seem like they're building things, like they're they're building something really special. Can so can you explain that and how that process works for protection? Absolutely. Well, first things first, I'm just gonna comment on the builders. The section or the technological area that I work in is mechanical engineering. We get a lot of applicants who file, who are backyard inventors, people who just one day at the bar came up with an idea, my God, this is a better way I can hold my beer. And they come and file and they all come to the area where I work in. Patents are inventions. So they're ways to protect the inventions and ideas that you come up with. Here's a good way that I can, I guess, explain it. Owen, just give me a company, a well-known company that makes something. And here's hoping I don't get caught out by a company that I don't actually know. Apple. So Apple. Okay, perfect. So think about what Apple sells. Uh, And also think about Apple as a brand, as a trademark. Apple sells computers, phones, they sell their AirPods, et cetera. All of those things are different inventions. And so for each of those, Apple can get a patent to protect that specific invention. You know, the new MacBook, patent, AirPods, patent, et cetera. But it goes deeper than that. You can patent really any kind of innovation in a field. So you think about all the integers of the new MacBooks. They've got the fancy screen, like a new webcam, maybe their keyboard. Each of those things can individually make an improvement on what already exists in the world. And so you can get a patent on any of them. And that's what I really work with in the patents group. It's all of those innovations, the tangible ones. What we assess for that, similar to what Patrick spoke about, is uh, not only if the invention would work, but if it's new, so if it hasn't been done before, and if it's a significant enough improvement or invention to be different to what already exists in a way that requires you to kind of think and have experimented to get there. Much like you were having this conversation with Patrick about there being no real international trademark, uh, there's no real international patent either. So you'd have to think, as Patrick said, about where you really want to go with your inventions before you do anything. One of the biggest issues that we encounter is when backyard inventors or researchers in particular have a great idea to get capital or to get momentum. They talk about the idea publicly. And then after a year or two, they go, great, I've got the money. I'm going to file my patent in Australia. Here you go. And I look at it and I go, that's great. But even though this is your invention, you spoke about it a year and a half ago, and it's not necessarily new to the world because the world knows about it. Even if they didn't do that, if they only file in Australia, then they go to the US and they go, here's my invention. The US goes, but Australia had this two years ago. We can't accept this. There is a route. It's called the Patent Cooperation Treaty, which I would encourage people to look into. You can't get an international patent, but you can file internationally with a wide range of different countries so that you kind of plant your flag, so to speak, for patents. 
and have a starting point from where you can go into a bunch of different countries safe with your initial date to protect you for your ideas. You use the example of Apple's like iPhones and MacBooks and all that stuff. What about design? Like, How does that differ to the design of something? What is characteristic about an iPhone? It might be the three cameras on the back. I remember back when they had the first iPhones, it was that circle button in the bottom with the kind of square, if you remember what I'm talking about. But sometimes these things don't have necessarily a technical advantage over other things. What they represent is how something looks, a specific design, so to speak, that makes that invention unique compared to everything else. So with a patent, it's more about the technical contribution. With a design, it's more about the appearance. Yeah, right. That makes sense. So there was another thing that you mentioned before, which I don't think are going to apply to a lot of people like if or businesses that I know about. Like if only 4% of businesses, is that the right statistic, have uh, got IP protection in Australia? What are plant breeder rights and when would someone consider getting protection for that? Yeah, so plant breeder rights are pretty niche, um, but they're quite important in their field. Plant breeder rights uh, are about protecting a variety, a new variety of plant. So something that you've bred and has to be like a, a new stable uniform variety that transfers its genetics down the line and essentially provides an advantage over what's come before. Uh, so it's really important for particular industries and in agriculture, obviously, uh, but it's a, a pretty niche area. So it's not going to apply to, for example, a tech company. They don't need to deal with that. Maybe Lachlan, I'll start with you. Let's say I go and design something and I file a patent and I'm successful. Then someone infringes on it. Like someone just makes exactly the same thing. How do I, like, what's the recourse? Like, how do I protect my business? So the rights that we give at IP Australia obviously are the protection for your invention. Um, It gives you the ability to take recourse on anybody who steals your ideas. But as I mentioned earlier, IP Australia doesn't enforce that specific part of IP protection. We don't actually keep an eye out for anybody who might be infringing and give them a slap on the wrist. As you can imagine, with so many different inventions, it would probably get a bit tedious and overwhelming to keep an eye on every single thing. It's the duty of the IP owner to keep an eye on the field and to make sure that nobody is doing anything that would infringe upon their rights. If you notice that that's happening, probably the first port of call would be to go talk to an attorney, go talk and see what options you have available. Usually you can start legal proceedings to bring some kind of recourse to the person who is stealing your idea get compensation, et cetera. That is the power of having that IP right. But yeah, you would have to still do a bit of work on your own in order to make sure that happened. Is it the same for trademarks, Patrick? Yeah, so trademarks are pretty similar in terms of enforcement. It's definitely up to the owner of the trademark to make sure they enforce it. And it's really important to make sure you're keeping an eye on what's out there. You don't want to find out after someone's already been using something that's similar to you for a while that they're infringing. The sooner you crack down on infringement, the better, because it protects the value of your brand. There are some great ways that you can do that. I mean, obviously, it's always best to go see a lawyer or an IP attorney as soon as possible if you think someone's infringing. Depending on where the infringement is happening, you might also have some other avenues. For example, if it's through a platform like eBay, for example, if you own a registered trademark, you may be able to get eBay to take down the offending listing. 
Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, Lachlan, I realized there's one question I didn't ask you before. Is uh, Patrick said that you know you can use TM Checker and you can pay a few hundred dollars to begin the process for trademark. But what about for patents and designs? Is that a lot more expensive? Like I imagine there's a lot of upfront work because you've got to have designs and plans and things like that. Yeah, it is a little bit more arduous, unfortunately, than trademark. You have to have all of that documentation from the very start. You have to make sure that what you're applying with has everything. But that being said, there are a few exceptions. Generally speaking, the route that someone would go through in order to get protection would be to start by filing a provision application. So that is actually a little bit similar to uh, what Patrick spoke about with the TM checker process, albeit with no no patent checker, unfortunately. But you file a provisional application that maybe doesn't have all the information you need, but sets up what you're looking to do. And then that is the start of your application. That is the date from which your patent is assessed because you know, you've given the notification that that's what you're going to do. And you have a year to file the rest of your application, the full complete application. And then from there, depending on which route you've taken, you start going to IP rights administers, getting checked, getting evaluated. We generally do a search at the office to see if there's anything uh, relevant in the art to what the application is. That process can take a few years on average, I'd say, but that's essentially it. You have the provisional application, go to a full application, you wait a little bit while it gets assessed. You do a little bit of back and forth as we figure out the edges of where your monopoly lies, and then you get a patent. Once you get a patent, there are ongoing costs as well. So overall, I would definitely have a look at the full process before committing because the costs can build up by the end and it can take a little bit longer. I've got just one more like question for each of you and maybe we'll stick with you, Lachlan, which is that you mentioned before, like people try and they're going to come out with a patent. And then they announce it to the world on social media or they go on TV and talk about it. And then a year later, once they've got funding, they go and try and get, you know, some sort of IP protection or a patent or something like that. And then you're like, whoa, this is, <laughs> you should have thought about this. Are there any other, like, maybe not even mistakes, but it's like some guidance that you'd give to business owners that are listening to or watching this right now on where they should go to get information on like best practice? Well, I'd actually like to just take a step back first and give a tip with regards to talking about your invention. If you do do that, if you've put on Facebook, this is a cool invention I've made, or if you go to a conference and start talking about your innovations, it's not the end of the world. You have what's called a grace period in Australia to continue administering your patent if you do do something like that. You have one year from the date of the initial disclosure to file your complete specification. And if you do that, you will still be able to claim the earliest date from where you started talking about it. It's not really recommended because it's so easy to make mistakes with regards to that. Also, if you do that, your competitors have a head start and can start working, but there are ways to get around it. But to answer the other part of your question, where people can go, I would just always direct people to our website, ipaustralia.gov.au. You can check all the different types of IP rights and how to approach them, not just patents. But there's a lot of guidance there about where you should start, where you should look, et cetera. 
especially if you are a small business, a small to medium business looking to break into that patent space. In patents, we do have a few people within the section who can actually help you out. They're SME experts, coordinators, advisors, et cetera, small to medium enterprise. Uh, They will kind of sit you down, maybe talk through a few of the pitfalls that you might run into with your specific idea and then guide you in the correct direction. But yeah, really website is the first port call, I reckon. Yeah, great. There'll be heaps of links in the show notes if you are listening to this and you are as like, is there alarm bells going off in your head like there are in mine? There'll be heaps of links. So everything that I can find, I'll, I'll put in the show notes too. Uh, Patrick, how about for you? Obviously, one of the big things you mentioned before was that go and check is probably the first thing you want to do before you go and set everything up. Is there anything else, any other resources, maybe any other guidance that you can give people listening to this, whether it's about trademarks or copyright or whatever? Yeah, I mean, it's great to do as much research as you can when you're starting to think, especially at the early stages of branding and figuring out your idea to come up with a bit of a strategy around your IP. Uh, There are lots of resources on our website. And if you've got the funds to do so, then it's great to speak to an IP professional like a lawyer or a patent or trademarks attorney. Uh, They can really help you with the strategy right from the start and help you also figure out what you have that's actually worth protecting. Because that's a really important thing. Sit down and think about what parts of my business actually have IP? What do I need to protect? I've got my main brands. Do I have some sub brands? Do I have a really unique product name that I need to protect? Do I need to make sure no one's going to copy my uh, advertising materials or the marketing that I put together? All these different aspects and, and try to come up with a sense of where your value lies in terms of your business and its IP and then figure out how you can best protect each of those different elements. Once again, if you're listening to this, please just check out the show notes. Go and Google these things for your business and search the IP Australia website, which will be in there. Patrick, I really do appreciate you taking some time to join me today. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. And likewise, Lachlan, thanks for your wisdom and, and for setting the groundwork for us. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Owen. It was a joy to be here. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast. I think this series is best served with my free business course on RASC education. My free course includes all of my notes, templates, employment guides, legal documents, marketing strategies, software recommendation, and ideas for starting and running a small business. If you're a small business owner or an expert like an accountant, lawyer, investor, or entrepreneur, I want to hear from you. I'm not 100% sure what we're going to do with this podcast series, so I'm looking for sponsors as well as potential co-hosts, and of course, I'm eager to invest in businesses run by talented people. If you're looking for a supporter or advisor, a silent partner, or even an investor to support your growth, I can help. Please contact me via the RASC website. Finally, if this podcast or the course helps you, I only ask that you please help me by sharing it with one friend, colleague, or family member who runs a business. Thanks for listening.